Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sharings with Shama. Today is June 11th, and it's still 2020. We are in the middle of Corona pandemic. And um, yesterday, my youngest daughter, she graduated from high school. And it's a big, in some, some way, this year has been one of the greatest, greatest years. Um, I can't really say in what way yet, because it's not over yet, but it's something big about 2020 and I think it has a lot to do of what's going on in the world where we are at and um, I have I have an idea and that is that my family my closest surroundings you know my network of friends where I work where I live my closest circle that is a mirror of the world around me. So in my life, I have good and bad. I have ups and downs. I have, you should, you can call it evil and, and good and right and wrong and black and white. And I have every little aspect of what's going on in the world. I can feel that that is also going on in my family and I have a strong, strong feeling that we need to work where we are. We need to really, we can't heal the world unless we heal ourselves first. We can't fight racism unless we take a look at what's going on in our families, in our you know, networks at work, at, with friends and so on. And there is so much that we do on a daily basis that is disconnected, where we are not ourselves, where we are not grounded in our beings, where we are an effect instead of, you know, being the one saying yes and no, taking a stand or not, making a decision or not. We are letting life happen to us far too much. It's cause and action, you know, cause and consequence. What, what is like, what's the beginning, what's the end, what's the hen and the egg? And I can feel that in my life, this episode, I want to dedicate it to recovery and kind of restore our sanity and uh, I want to do this because I had I had a sobriety podcast. I had one on alcohol, you know, the pros and cons of being drunk versus being sober. And on Monday is June 15th and I have been 100% sober for years on Monday. And that is something that I thought not possible. I don't think... Anyone really thought that it would be possible. I don't think that is something that you consider if you drink alcohol. That I may be a person who won't have one sip of wine in four years or more. It may be 10 years. I have no idea. 
there are also things that I did not believe would be, and that would be that I would be single for five and a half years. I don't, I don't think that was, you know, possible for me or for anyone. How can you be and be single and be happy? How can you not drink alcohol and be happy? And how come that this somehow restores my sanity? Not only the alcohol, but also the being alone face that is soon coming, you know, uh, to five and a half years in a couple of weeks. I'm thinking of what's going on in the world where we see people, you know, uh, we see the racism, we see um, the segregation, we see the, you know, the... I just listened to the, the Swedish police. They had like a, a project where they are fighting crimes and they are fighting murders and really, really uh, heavy crimes. And they said that in the segregated, in the exposed areas in Sweden, these type of crimes are eight times as many as in the privileged areas. We have learned that the coronavirus strikes the exposed, you know, the, the minorities much harder than the privileged areas. And this is just... You know, this is just how it is in every... When you look at addiction, when you look at crime, when you look at education, when you look at income, when you look at fame, fortune, uh, you know, the, the basic human rights, you can see that in the privileged areas, we take it for granted. We don't understand how it is to not have it. And I'm trying, I'm trying to, you know, wrap my head around all of what is happening now, you know, all of it. And there is like one basic thing. When I look at Donald Trump, it's a mystery how he is still there. How can that person be in that position? It's a mystery. I mean, but, but what what does it say about us? It says everything about us. And I know that we have to make a major change in ourselves to make a bigger change happen. And it begins with every one of us. It begins with me, then... What follows next is my family, and what follows next is my friends, my work, my colleagues, and next circle is maybe my community where I live. And you know, I just keep spreading through the layers of my circle, but I don't believe that I can skip a layer. I don't believe that I can fix the world and not fix my own problem you know, my own private issues in my family, in my universe, in my closest circles. I think that 
I can do a lot, but it's not going to be that massive change. It's like because I'm going to be a fraud. I'm going to be a fake. I'm not walking my talk. And everyone knows this because we are connected. So we all need to walk our talk and do our work with ourselves. And there are like one major thing. And I'm coming back to recovery. Every addict that stops using is recovering. If you are sick, severely sick, ill, you are recovering from cancer. You are recovering from uh, addiction. You know, you are recovering from a major accident. Uh, You are recovering from deep grief. You are recovering. And what are we recovering? To recover something is to rediscover, reconnect. And what is that that is lost in those moments? What is it? What are we recovering? And... I mean, for someone who has been ill, we recover our health. From someone who has been mentally ill, we recover our, you know, mental health. Um, from someone who is injured, it's too like, it's a lot about recovering our health. And there is like, also for most of us who do crazy things, who do things that are not good for us or other people, If I'm hurting and harming myself with maybe substances or behaviors or, you know, maybe I'm cutting myself or I'm using drugs or, you know, or I'm hurting other people. I'm, you know, I'm not loving and caring. I'm very judgmental. Maybe I'm really violent or abusive and, you know, I'm harmful with my words. It's really... Uh, I need to recover my sanity. So there is like a lot to recover when our physical bodies are hurt or injured or sick. And then there is something to recover when our mental health is not as it should be. And trust me, A person like Donald Trump, for example, he is not a mentally healthy person. He is not sane. And this is like, he is an extreme. I mean, he mirrors for us, he mirrors the global, you know, insanity. And by recovering from addiction, for example... This is something that is actually in the 12 steps. The second step is, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So it's like, I think AA was founded in 1932, but one realized then that we were not sane. The way to escape, and we also must realize to drink alcohol or to use drugs is not like something anyone chooses to, you know, overuse and abuse. It's something that 
more or less happens to us, not by choice, because we suffer from severe pain. And this pain is often found in our childhood. And what is it actually that we need to recover? We don't recover our sanity. We restore our sanity. We need to get our sanity back. But what we recover is ourselves. We have disconnected, you know, whatever happened to us, the traumas that we suffered from, you know, whatever happened to us, we, that caused a disconnect. And that disconnection is something that we must recover. So we must recover ourselves. I need to do my job to find the essence in me. I need to find what is it in me that actually spaced out, that was so traumatized when I was a child, that I had to space out and take that path to self-destruction, you know, to self-harming behavior, to addiction, to escape from having relationships, uh, to escape from working too much. Uh, you know, I need to find the essence in me. What happened? So recovery is something that we need to do, and that work no one else can do for us. We can have a tremendous amount of help, but no one can do the work. And I think to realize that we all, no matter how holy or whole we feel we are, there is always another layer. There is always, you know, a layer inside of us that needs to be revealed. And we can feel it in every little judgmental thought, in every little negative, you know, uh, feeling or view upon someone or something. There is always an extra layer. And what we can do is just acknowledge it and keep growing, keep healing and keep working on ourselves. And for me, this work is an everyday job. Some days I am really good at it. Some days I feel I fail. But that doesn't mean I give up. The next day I'm back on the horse. And I think that that is so amazing with the 12-step program that actually every morning in the 11th step is like, I will tell you, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him. Praying only for the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. So, more or less, in the morning you wake up and you kind of say to whatever you believe in, please make me an instrument for your peace. Have me go where you want me to go. Say what you want me to say, you know, and to whom. Just make me 
an instrument of your peace. And I feel that there is something big lost here. If we wake up in the morning and the first thing we do is that we are irritated on our spouse or our children or we kind of, you know, um, say a harmful comment to our colleague at work or, you know, there is like so much that is not projecting kindness, that is not, that is really harmful. And I feel that all these little, little things, if we begin our days saying, hey, I want to be an instrument of your peace today. Can you please help me be that? Then you can feel when someone calls and wants to sell you that, you know, insurance for the zillionth time and you don't want to talk to them and you want to just hang up the phone. You can say, oh, Jesus, please make me an instrument of your peace. What is the peaceful way to end this conversation? Some days I fail and I fail so hard. It's like, you know, I get triggered, triggered, triggered. And what I do then is that I take those, you know, events, all these resentments and judgments and, you know, where I wanted my will and didn't get it. And I take that and I make an inventory and I see, okay, so today I failed. I did those things and please... Please help me make amends, you know. Please help me uh, how I can, you know. If I need to apologize to someone, then I work on that. If I, you know, harm someone, I work on that. If I had thoughts that was super negative, if I judged someone and so on, I work on that. And if I don't have what it takes, you know, to do what I know I should do then I ask for the willingness to do that so it's like having a conversation you know in the morning please make me an instrument of your peace have me go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do you know thank you your will and not mine whatever words you use it it doesn't matter you know you can just say hey hey if there's anyone out there make me a good person today please help me be kind so be a blessing to all Please help me. I would love to be that. Okay. And in the evening, you just say, okay, how, how, what's my score today? And okay, a little prayer. Please make me maybe do it better tomorrow. Or wow, today we did a great job. Thank you, God, for having me do a great job today. And for every day, we kind of work in this way. Little by little, we become more loving, caring, compassionate people. We don't become people who go kill other people. We don't, go, we don't become people who tell others to fuck off. We are not the ones creating separation in this world. When we strive for unity and we are working in that direction... We are not creating separation in the world. When we are asking for forgiveness, we're not creating separation. If we make a mistake and apologize, we are making things right. And I can see that this, you know, to have 
if I go to my own family, I can see that there is like, you know, we live in a segregated family and I've always taken the blame for that in a way because I have four children with three fathers. I did not select the fathers like, hey, you seem to be a very, you know, smart, kind, loving, caring, you know, also wealthy, uh, good-looking, emotionally stable person. I would love to have kids with you and we can raise them together. And if we separate, we're going to do a good job anyway. And you are the sweetest, kindest, softest, you know, person ever. It's like really my life was an effect of an effect. I did not say yes when I wanted to say yes. I did not say no when I wanted to say no. And fortunately, I am blessed with these four amazing children. God had a plan and I acted it out and we are so happy with the result. That is a fact. That is a fact. I could not have it any other way. I would not want it any other way. That does not take away the fact that we live in a segregated family where some children are privileged and some children are not privileged because of their fathers. They have the same mother, me, and they have different fathers with different capabilities, with different, you know, emotional muscles, with different mental health situations, with different, you know, love and comfort, uh, with different financial status. So there's a lot of things that are different here. And that is a consequence my children live with, which means that I have high and low when I when I look at my kids, I, I can say like this. I, I had a conversation with my, my second youngest today and she said, Mom, actually, I think we had it really good in our childhood. You know, even though you were alone, we never lacked anything. We always had. We lived in a very, very posh neighborhood. We, all, we had a f really big, great house. We had always... We, we had everything we needed and wanted. We didn't have those posh extra, you know, things, but we had a really, really good life. And I think we had a really good, you know, family growing up. And that really warmed my heart because she is the one who is homeless, who is the activist, who is always, you know, pro-other. She is the one. She's the one with the least you know, um, assets. And she's the one who welcomes everyone. She just, she hates being here in Sweden. Uh, she loves being here because of Henry and to, to spend time with the family. And the family loves to hang out with her because she's been living in Berlin for many, many years. And she longs to go back to Berlin to her friends because they have... All of them have an open heart, open home, and the com community where she's at, they support each other. The ones who have more money this month, 
provides for the others and they take turns. They don't think me, myself and I. And I can see that in our family, because of these different upbringings, because of these differences in in the father's situation, I would say, they have developed strategies. Um, so one of my children is very protective of her space. I can't challenge her in that because I know that is part of her childhood trauma. So I need to let her have her space and really um, be protective and not, uh, we are really not interfering with her, you know, borders and so on. And uh, and we have like these differences that depend because of what they went through at that certain time, what their dad went through, what that effect caused, you know, what their cause did to them, the effect of them, you know. So there are a lot of daddy issues taking, uh, what do you say, um they're kind of played out in our families in our family and i think i'm not alone with that because when we have a gathering when there is a birthday and so on you can see that the differences especially in financial status is really big and i as a mom can feel this really in my heart i i always 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 try to provide for the the ones who have less and compensate them. I overdo a lot uh, because I feel it's unfair and I want to kind of balance out these gaps. And there's no way I can balance it out because I'm not a millionaire, so I can't do it. But I try my best every time, you know, to really like, oh, where, where I feel that the dad in question has not, you know, um, delivered in a way, then I feel I need to compensate. And I need to look at that. What is that doing to my family? What is that doing to me? I'm so codependent with my children. I hate when one of them is hurting. I know I share this with most parents, that when one of our children is suffering and hurting, we just want to take their pain and, you know, make it ours to lessen their pain. And I realize I can't do that. I can't keep on doing this, compensating, overdoing, really. I need to find my sanity in this also. So I've worked with some issues. I work with the addiction. I've been sober for four years and I'm recovering and I feel my sanity is really coming back to me. I see things much clearer now and I can also look at this situation when I look back and I can really see how, how I've been juggling these children to make everyone feel valued and happy and that they have enough and so on and it's not easy and I don't know what is right here but I know to be codependent and always kind of need to fix a broken relationship 
with their father or, you know, uh, an imbalance in a financial situation to always need to fix. Maybe this situation with my children is not for me to fix. And this is the first time that I address this, that I've known I've been codependent for a long, long time, but I have not known that I'm always trying to fix it because my heart is breaking. How would it be if I just sat with my heartbreak for a while? Because that is most likely my most uncomfortable feeling. When my heart is breaking for one of my children, when I see one of my children having so much and I see another one of my children having nothing, my heart is breaking and it's breaking so hard and maybe it's not for me to fix. God has a plan for my children too. They are not random, you know. They are not randomly put and placed in my care with these different fathers. It's not, a, you know, a coincidence that they have different paths, that they are working miracles in different ways and directions. I can see that my daughter, who is an activist, who is like so, uh, you know, if I... Sometimes I wish I was her age and I could just tag along with her and she could teach me everything and I could become like her uh, because I really want more of her personality in myself. So I watch her, I learn, and I, I, I am, you know, it's not easy because so much of what she's doing, I am, I, I've never been involved in when I was like around 20 or 15 or so it's totally new for me but I'm 50 so there is so much for me to learn and I really need to be on my tiptoes because it's so easy for me to go wrong here also to say the wrong thing and to be ignorant even though I don't want to be it and so on and I can see that she has her path it's it's in a way crystal clear because she is herself. She is somehow connected to herself. She is who she is. I've been disconnected with myself for my entire life, more or less. And by removing the alcohol, by removing the relationship with the man, by working on my healing, I'm slowly, you know, reconnecting with myself. When I'm in pain, I feel my pain. And this week, I felt the pain in my heart because of the family situation. And I realized there is something in my world, my outer world, that actually is originated in my family constellation, my family situation, where we are this mixed family with different fathers, you know, and some lived with us for a year and some lived with us for five years and some didn't live with us at all. And I can just see that the fathers have an impact on our family that I try to disregard since the kids grew up with me. 
I minimize their impact. But the thing is that their impact caused the segregation in our family. They caused the levels, you know, of being, you know, privileged and less privileged within the family. And no one, none of the children are to blame for this. And there is no judgment around it. But it's a situation in our family, and I can feel that it's playing out as an insanity in me. Because I think it's a problem for me to fix. I think that I need to work harder, I need to earn more money, I need to compensate, I need to give them more. You know, I have a life insurance that only two children, if I die before I'm 70, they inherit, you know, the life insurance is, uh, they are the benefactors, do you say that, of that life insurance and not the two other kids because they don't need the money. And I can see here I'm trying to fix things. You know, but can they be fixed and are they mine to fix? At the end of the day, it means that there are, there's less, less money for me. There's less attention for me because I focus it outwards, you know, in my fixing my family thing. And I'm thinking now that part of my recovery, after being sober four years, after being single five and a half, I think it's time for me to look at the family constellation, not disregard the fathers anymore, to give them the role that they have, even if it's an absent role. They have played a part because they have created our family as it is. And I'm really curious to see what does this recovery mean for me? So I'm going into a codependency group. I'm actually going to work this because I know that this affects my children. It does not only affect my children, it affects my friends because it brings me down at times. It affects my sisters because they have opinions. They may have judgments. They may have, you know, um, they need to support me at times. Uh, there are things that are kind of in our family. It's not just my family. I have two sisters and they have kids too. So there are cousins. There are 10 cousins on my side and they are affected too of what is happening in my family. And I can just see that this is important. If I am going to be a change in this world, if I'm going to kind of you know, walk the talk and convince people that there's a way you can do things. You don't have to drink, you know, you can change, you can heal and so on. Then I need to kind of take one layer at a time. So the, uh, for me, alcohol now, it's a non-issue. It's really like, it's not even, it's not even top 10 of my problems maybe not even 99, top 99. I don't think alcohol. I am around alcohol several times a week. I am with people this week. I've been to a lot of receptions, a lot of alcohol. My youngest, she was drunk yesterday and she threw up and, and I just feel like, okay, it's not a biggie. And I have no opinions 
about other people drinking. So it's, what was a big, big, big issue for a couple of years is now not on the top 20, let's say top 20. And the men and relationship, in the beginning, I really struggled. I really, I want to meet, where is he, where is he? And now the last like one year and a half, I think I'm just like, you know, maybe I will be single 10 years. Is that like the end of the world? Not really. Do I have a good life? Yes. Maybe I'm avoiding love. Maybe there are, you know, layers in this too. Maybe I'm complacent. Maybe I don't want to share. Maybe I don't want to be intimate with people like that, men especially. Maybe I dislike men in this, you know, uh, time of my life. There may be different layers to look at in this too, but it's not like a burning topic. But I feel that my codependency and how I kind of, you know, because of my childhood traumas, I've kind of created a life where I am constantly, you know, trying to avoid heartbreak trying to avoid, you know, this squeeze in my heart when I think one of my children is suffering. Mom to the rescue. And I know that I also have to look at, okay, where is the healthy mom to the rescue and where is the codependency? And I I can't do it alone. Now... I am sane enough so I can take time, invest in it, I can see it and I want to recover from it because I know that this goes, you know, it's not only affecting my children and myself, it's affecting them growing up, it makes them, you know, adjust you know, how much can we tell mom? How much can she take? How much can I share? Uh, let's not speak to her about this and that. And, you know, uh, also mom can pay this, mom can do this because, uh, you know, she always cares for us. We can always go to her, you know. There are so many different, you know. Uh, we've lived together for their whole life. And this is how you become. You depend on each other and there is a time you know where I feel that we did not have healthy relating in our family because of the traumas because of people dying because of new relationships new fathers new breakups separations and you know inabilities and uh, mental stability and and a lot of things and I feel that it's about time and I can't fix things for my kids. I have to look at me. So recovery is like, I understand that there is a big thing in this. There's a big, big, big kind of elephant in the room hiding here that I have to take a look at. I may not like what I will find. I may understand that I created this I may understand that I have been treating the kids different differently their whole lives because of what their fathers brought to the table 
maybe I am the one who created the segregation. And I'm curious to see, and I'm also curious how this, if I can work on this, if I can work on healing this, if I can look at this and and uh, hopefully, hopefully really, really land in this amazing result that we have, these amazing four children who have the right father for them, where I was the right mother for them, where they are in the perfect, perfectly right place for them to live their life. Because I can just see that I am, I am blessed, I'm gifted with four amazing beings. And I can't undo, I can't change anything in the past, but I can still work on becoming a better person. I can still work on finding, you know, the glitch in the past to heal. I can still look at healing. And I'm so thankful for that I uh, began therapy um, because I have an opportunity to look at the things that went wrong and to realize that everything is not mine to carry. Maybe I carried too much. All these years, maybe I carried far too much. And the blame I have against the fathers is because I chose to carry too much. And that was my choice. I was never forced, you know, you got to provide, you got to do this. I was just like, okay, so you're not doing it, so I will do it. Okay, so you're not showing up, so I will show up. Okay, so you're not paying this, I will pay it. So you're not taking them on vacation, so I will do it. Actually, I could have said no too. What would have changed then? It was very, very easy, you know, when someone did it, then I don't have to do it. Will you walk the dog? You know, if you walk the dog and I don't have to do it, okay, great. And I realized that that is what a codependent person does. I often do things before because I, I don't count on other people to do it. I overdo. And to acknowledge that, not as being, I'm a superwoman, I'm so great, to just see that, okay, this is one of my character defects, is one of my flaws. I overdo, I overcompensate because I don't want to feel the pain. And I say I don't want to feel the pain of my children, but it's not their pain, it's my pain I'm feeling. I'm so afraid that they are going to be sad, so I overcompensate so they don't have to be sad. But how do I know that they are going to be sad? I don't even let them. I take on their pain so they don't have to. And is that a fair game to play? To help others avoid their feelings? 
what am I doing? I'm playing God in my kids' life. In my kids' lives. I've been playing God. And I realize that now, that I'm not, you know, judging myself. I'm not blaming, blaming myself. I'm not seeing you know, oh, that was bad of you. I'm just saying, okay, this is how it is. And there is recovery to make here too. This is also, you know, something to work on because there's always another layer. We can always, you know, as long as the world looks as it does, as long as there are men walking the planet, harming, you know, other people. I'm saying men. Of course there are women too, but you know, these, you know, extreme violence and murder and that what we see. I just see that I am trying to avoid, make people avoid feelings and I'm numbing people. I'm numbing other people by taking on their feelings. I'm like so codependent. I was so codependent with my ex-husband that he didn't have to feel jealousy or anger. I took that on. And it's not okay. It's not being Mother Teresa. It's actually wrong. We must let people feel their feelings. We must let, you know, they are entitled to their grief. I can't lessen other people's grief. I can be a support. You know, I can be a hand to hold. I can be a warm hug. I can be a shoulder to cry on. I can be a home, a bed, you know, come sleep next to me. But I can't take on your feelings. I should not do it. So this is my recovery path right now. And I wonder, where are you at in your life? So I am one person and I have three major things that I needed to kind of uncover to be able to see myself. One is was addictions, not only alcohol, but food and, you know, work and uh, anything, relationships. And one was actually being with someone, being in a relationship, even though not in love for safety, for example. So that was the second one, to be alone for a long time, to uncover myself. And now I've come to the part of codependency and how I raised these children and how I took on a lot of pain to avoid pain myself. And I realized that, okay, I'm still doing this. They are adult now. I'm still doing it. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, and where is the big thank you, mom? And I just see it's not their problem, it's mine. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And I have to work on it. So I have a big chunk here. And where are you at? I am never alone in this. And I wonder, what's your thing? Where are your areas of recovery. What do you need to recover from? How do you reconnect with yourself? Are you disconnected or are you connected to yourself? Do you feel like you live your essence? Do you feel like you show up in your life every day with, you know, self-esteem, joy, happiness, love, 
feeling like life is amazing. I am here. I am here. I don't. I wake up in the morning feeling like, where am I? Where am I? And I, I just know that I don't want to be in this effect anymore. I want to start living my life affecting. Can you see the difference? I want to say yes when I want to say yes. I want to say no when I want to say no. I don't want life to happen to me anymore. I don't want to be in this consequence of life happening and me trying to avoid pain. So I'm taking, you know, opening this box now, the codependency box. And on Monday, I'm four years sober from alcohol. And that is, that is amazing in itself. I should actually celebrate five and a half years, you know, without relationship. That's amazing. And I wonder, where are you at? What do you need to look at? What in your life is kind of holding you in chains? How much, you know, guilt, blame, resentment, anger, irritation, you know, give up, hopelessness, do you feel? There is a reason. How much pain do you feel? There is a reason for it. What do you need to uncover to recover? I'm challenging you here because we have a world to change. And unless you change what you can, and the only thing you can change is you, and you have to do the work, I can help you. There's a lot of help, but you have to do the work. But what is that, what is that you need to uncover, to recover, to restore your sanity? to connect with your essence again so you can show up and be one together with us. How can we show up? What do we need to heal in ourselves? What do we need? What box do we need to open? And it's the painful one. It's the one that hurts. It's the one fuck ex-husband, you know. It's the one my mother this and that. It's the one I need that glass of wine it's the one just if I could just meet a man if I could just and everything would be okay it's like what is your thing that you are like you know the thing that is not so comfortable or even very very painful there are things that we need to heal in ourselves so we can show up for humanity I know I'm never alone if I have at least three, most possi possibly five things I need to kind of heal and uncover and recover from, then I guess you have at least one or two because we always share. This is what I know. On this planet, we always share. Never alone. So I look forward to hear your comments and feedback. What do you need to uncover? What's your healing path? What's your pain? What do you need to recover from? How can you recover you? 
how can your sanity be restored because we live in an insane world. As long as there are things that are not kindness, love, care, joy, happiness, peace, we are insane. There are things we can do. It's really like, I'm not saying we need to be happy all the time. I'm not seeing, saying that we need to be joyful and blissful all the time. I'm saying that if we spend most of our time not feeling that, not being that, then something is wrong. So please recover with me. Let's restore us to sanity together. And I'm sure we can make a change. I'm working on my family, on my circles. If you work on your family and your circles, our circles will connect. You know, they will overlap because they get bigger and bigger and bigger. I love you guys. I'm so grateful that you listen to me. I love all your feedback your kindness, your attention, your engagement, your passion. And I feel honored that you are listening to this episode. Okay, wherever you are at, I hope you have a good day, morning, night. And I love you. Puss. Puss.